Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at stewthewineguru.com. You can go to my chat room here on the show page with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me any questions you like at stewthewineguru on Twitter and I'll read them live on the show. If you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, the articles, and shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles for Yahoo and The Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 series of videos that can be viewed on both YouTube or my website, so check those out. All my wine articles are now available on any smartphone. Just download the Hello Vino app. And you can take my wine reviews and articles with you anywhere you go. Tonight, my guest has lived in Argentina for 13 years, racked up 20,000 miles cycling through Australia, and explored the backwoods and back roads of Peru. He has made wine in Australia, as well as Napa, where he resides now, and has crafted masterfully some of the best wine California has to offer. The name of the incredible wine company he produces for, Concrete. His name is Mike McGrath, and he will be joining us shortly. Of course, the number to call is 1-646-381-4860, or if you're shopping. Mike, you there? Yes, sir. Oh, fantastic. I had a little technical difficulty, but we're back. So, let me welcome you to the show. I want to thank you personally for being on. It's great to have you here tonight. Great to be on. I have many questions for you, many, many questions for you, and uh, some that have been uh, emailed in, uh, some will field from the 
chat room, and uh, anything that gets tweeted in or called in, we'll get right to it right away. So my personal question, let me, why Argentina? What, what attracted you to it, to go there? Well, actually, I was brought up down there because my father helped put the first automobile plant in Argentina in 1955. Uh, after, uh, after World War II, they, they built the first automobile plant in Argentina, in Córdoba, in uh, Villa Gende area, and so uh, I was brought up down there. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, and so uh, let me ask, what is your earliest memory of wine? Well, you know, we often forget why wine is so popular in, in uh, other countries, and it's primarily because wine was cut in half, was used to cut the water in half to make it uh, safe. You know, none of the food poisoning bacteria can survive in water. So I used to uh, have wine at about four years old. You know, they'd cut the water in half with, with a little bit of wine, and that would make the pH such that the... Uh, that the uh, food poisoning bacteria couldn't survive in it. <laughs> so uh, wow, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's in, that's incredible when you think about it because you know I don't know if the the average person thinks of those things. So I mean, certainly here in the states, um, and and maybe during that time frame, you know, not much of that information was available. Certainly, we didn't have the internet at that point where someone could say, "Hey, by the way, if you're you know you're worried about the water, just cut it with a little wine, you're good to go." You know, exactly, yeah. Well, the other thing so, that makes, you know, Argentina was very civilized because Evita Perón insisted on having uh, vino casero, which is a, a, essentially a peasant wine, a, a homemade wine available at every restaurant. So you had, you had to have a wine that was about the cost of a little bit more than water available to the general public in every restaurant. Really? Yeah. That was mandated, I guess? I guess so. I don't think it's in existence today. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some of my uh, I'm I'm getting some email questions here, fast and furious. So I'll go to those and then I'll go back to my questions as well. Uh, the first one is let's see from first up is from Sonoban44 from Osaka, Japan. It says, "Hi Stu, I enjoy your show very much. I just started to drink wine." I have a question for your guest. What is it in a wine that makes it give you a headache? <laughs> thank, thank you, Stu. Interesting question. I want to just thank uh, Sonoban44 from Osaka, Japan, for your question. Well, too much is the alcohol. <laughs> but the, uh, no, I, primarily a lot of people are allergic to, to both sulfides and histamines, which uh, wines generally have a little bit of both. And so right. those are the things that people generally incur headaches from. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a, it becomes like a, uh, people have this misnomer that they think, or, you know, if they get an organic wine, there's no sulfites in it, so therefore they don't have any worries about, uh, you know, about headaches and all. However, I mean, there's no added sulfites, but there Correct. are sulfites naturally occurring. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to kind of clarify that because I've, I've had that question a million times, and um, I, I think it's uh, it's worth clarifying. Um, okay, so let's go to the next question here. Uh, this one is from oh, Tsi Long Hao. I hope I pronounced that right, from Hong Kong, China. It says, Stu, you have a very interesting show. I listen each week. Great wine guests. I would like to ask Mike 
how long is the longest you have kept a wine in the barrels for and why? Thanks. Well, um, Si Long Tao from Hong Kong, China, thank you very much for your question. And Mike, take it away. Well, we make still wines that are uh, yet generally aged about two to three years in, in barrel. I think there are other wines that you would hold a lot longer, but we I personally haven't made those. I have made a a muscat that we that we kept in barrels for oh about six six seven years just to get the real caramelized character but certainly right. uh sweet dessert type uh tokes and and uh ports can can live a long time in barrels uh, oh absolutely yeah um let's see. The next question is from um, Colton's Wine from Madison, Wisconsin. It says, hey, Stu, another great guest. Well, thank you. Um, I'm a big fan of concrete cabs. I almost didn't get that out. Concrete cabs. <laughs> my question for Mike is, um, how important are the tannin levels to your wines, and what determines if they are high or low? Cheers to you and Mike. Well, thank you, Colton's Wine from Madison, Wisconsin, for that question. And Mike, uh, the tannins. Well, that's a great question. I mean, we all great winemakers or all winemakers that really uh, have the fortune of living in a great area like Napa Valley um, find that there's an, an inherent character to every wine. That's, you know, the French call it terroir, and there's the inherent uh, structure of a wine. And wines and vineyards that are that are only seeing the morning sun or more shaded have generally higher tannin concentrations than the ones that see more direct sun exposure and and a more infertile uh, infertile type of soil. So uh, it's primarily coming from the vineyard itself, and then it's found in the skin. So when we ferment the grapes on the skin the amount of cap management, the amount of pumping over that you you uh, apply to the juice to try to extract the color and the tannins from the berry is going to impact the amount of concentration that you extract out of it. So right. concrete, we're, we're unique in that we're buying grapes or growing grapes from all 15 nif- different appellations within Napa Valley. We have um, very diverse, a very diverse uh, system right here. I think of it as a big bathtub. You know, we we have about a 2,000-foot rim on both sides. We have the shower head at the north end, and so we get about 60 inches of rain at the northern end of Napa Valley. And there we tend to get a much higher tannin posture than we do at the southern end or at the sunny side of the valley. So all those things come into play to uh, give us different structures from within this little valley that's only a marathon long. It's only 30 miles long. Right. That's a great descriptor, I have to tell you. That's the first time I've ever heard any winemaker put it in that context, and um, that's fantastic. I think I think that really visually helps people who are both wine enthusiasts uh, and, and, you know, and, and the average person who's listening to really get an understanding of, of how the, the terroir, how the, the, uh, the setup and the structure of a, you know, a vineyard works, in essence. So that that's great. Um well- for the sports enthusiasts out there, uh, Stu, this weekend is the Napa Valley Marathon, and it goes the whole length of Napa Valley. Mm. And uh, Con Creek is the epicenter. We're right at the there you 13, go. we're right at the 13 mile mark. So um, stop in with a for a glass of wine if you run it. <laughs> well, there you go. And and I want to let you know that I, I as I mentioned earlier, I have put the Con Creek website 
into the chat room. So it's interactive there. So anyone in the chat room, if they want to, they can actually click on it and go there and formulate whatever questions they want. But let me go back and make sure everyone knows. It's www.concreek.com. I suggest you go there uh, prior to uh, calling in or emailing or tweeting, and this way it gives you an idea of what they're all about. And, yes, anyone going out to Napa, you have to get to Concrete. You have to go in there. And certainly if you're running a marathon, it's a nice little pit stop in the middle of it, you know, you go, hey, let me just take a sec. <laughs> let me go get some, let me get a little wine, and let me get back on to, you know, what I was doing. Um, so let me ask some other questions I have here for you. So what winemakers did you try to emulate or like the style of early on in your career? Well, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've, I've worked with uh, Rick Foreman, uh, Jed Steele, Andre Chelichev, and so they were all very, uh, very instrumental in, in my in the educational process, winemaking is a lot like chefing. You just learn so much from the different areas as well as the different uh, people that you work with. So sure. uh, early on, I'd say Andre Chelichev was probably the most influential. I think for everybody, everybody and anybody that had a chance to 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 you know work with him, under him, near him, in his vicinity, uh, yeah, that's that that's that's something definitely. Yeah, in fact. Um, our anthology is a, a was originally a, a kind of a joint venture. We were trying to collaborate on a wine, and right. uh, the president of our company, Ted Basler, uh, suggested that we call it a collaboration. And of course, for those of you that know Andrei Chelichev, he uh, emigrated from from Russia during the Russian Revolution in 1919 because uh, because the collaborators uh, killed. Uh, many members of his family and the wolfhound sure. so uh he obviously wasn't uh, fond of the of the name collaboration on the on the on the wine so we called it anthology instead no Which that is, was uh very astute yeah doing so um so i let's 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 stick to to concrete so tell us about your first days at concrete what was that like well it's a it's a it's a kid in the candy store type of because this philosophy of getting grapes from all these different areas, these 15 different sub-appellations within Napa Valley, is is the equivalent of basically uh, having your way in a sporting goods store or a candy store, whatever whatever your attraction is. And so, uh, it's it's been great. Right. No, and, and and I have to say, I mean, um, I have been a big fan of concrete for many, many years. Uh, you know, I there are particular winemakers, as you follow my show, and you'll see there there seems to be a bit of a thread through it. Um, some of the top, I find some of the top winemakers and the top vineyards and all, uh, and I consider concrete to be one of them, and you being one of the top winemakers, um, are, are the reason why I, I have them on the show, because I feel like the, the product that they produce being being you uh, is just so stellar, uh, and I and I urge everybody if they get out to Napa or they're planning a trip, it's a must to get to Concrete and check it out. Um, the wines, especially, I mean, anthology is just so well known, so well. Uh, um, it's like an iconic, in my eyes, an iconic wine um, that that anyone can uh, can relate to, just being so well crafted. So, uh, kudos to you on that one. Um, what would you like to tell? up-and-coming winemakers on what virtues you need to be a great winemaker such as yourself? 
Well, I, I think uh, the main thing is to be a good listener and to to uh, to camp out in the vineyard and listen to what the grapes are telling you. I mean, I don't know how many different ways we winemakers have said the same thing. The the character of the wine is established in the vineyard, and and that's the most critical thing. So I, I think there's two philosophies to winemaking. Uh, you either go with a single vineyard and uh, you have the greater distinction that way. You have that thread of continuity and you have that first growth philosophy where you can see the variation uh, of a very distinctive area from year to year. Or you can go with multiple vineyards and varietals and, and have uh, greater complexity. And so uh, I think it's important as a young winemaker to determine what what area you want to go in, and it's certainly not limited to one or the other, but uh, I can't uh, recommend it highly enough. I, uh, you know, we we get resumes constantly from people in all walks of life that are just enamored with the wine industry, and, and there's good reason for sure. it. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so what do you see as the next great varietal to catch on in the U.S.? Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> You're not giving away well, any secrets. I think what Paso Robles is doing right now with uh, the Rhone clones is very exciting. I think okay. Grenache is, is an underplanted grape. Um, it's a, a very fleshy wine, I think. I think uh, blends, though, in general, uh, are something that we're going more towards. You know, we we've, being Americans, we, we kind of think that if a little bit is good, 100% is better. And in some cases, <laughs> more of that fleshy complexity and, and layers and, and things by blending together. And so, uh, you know, some of the Italian varietals or, or Spanish varietals, probably uh, there isn't um, a lot of Tempranillo plant, planted, but I think there's a lot of areas that would grow it well. Um, Monastrell? Could be, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I'm had a... I had a blend, uh, it was a Grenache Blanc, Viognier, and um, Picpoul, which is a very high acid grape from the south of France that's grown over uh, in Sonoma County uh, the other week, and it was just fantastic. So I, I think uh, there's room for a lot of uh, Rhone, Rhone white blends as well. Sure, absolutely. And I think that's, uh, you know, um Similar to Conundrum, you know, or um, Seven Daughters, you know, where they go that route of white blends with, you know, a variety of different uh, grapes. I think it's a it's a it's a great uh, trend. I hope it, it continues. And I love blends in general. So, um, let me go to an, uh, something else here I wanted to to ask. So, other than cycling, what are your hobbies, Mike? Uh, right now, it's. Uh Probably uh, fathering and golfing more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> fathering and golfing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting combination, but uh, not one that's not un unusual these days. Um, I have a, a question that I ask. Uh, you know, most questions I say 95.9% or 99.9% .9 of the questions I ask each winemaker are completely unique to e themselves and to the winemakers. But there's one question that I ask each one of them. Uh, and I'll ask you this one. It's by way of miracle. Let's say you can sit down with anyone in the world, alive or dead tomorrow, and enjoy your wine with them. Who would it be and why? 
Samuel Clemens. Uh, I've always enjoyed his... Uh, Mark Twain? His, pardon? I was saying Mark Twain. Okay. Yeah, Mark Twain, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I've liked his books, and I and I like the way he uh, he perceives things and the way he uh, dialogues about them. He just uh, he really tickles my fancy, and I, I think he would be a very interesting person to to enjoy a glass of wine with. Uh, I think so as well. I agree. That's and it's pretty awesome. I like, I always love the answers I get, and they're always different. I'm never I'm, I never cease to be amazed by some of the answers I get from the winemakers. That's what I love about that question. Um, so I guess what I wanted to find out also was um, what is it that you that you see as you know on the global market? Are, are there areas that you think of that uh, that we should be watching that are kind of untapped? You know, I mean, I know the Malbecs have become very big via Argentina, um, but I mean, where? In, I, I mean, I, I know of China and the Asian market. I know that you know that's far off. We have the consumer base there, um, but you know, naturally, the vineyards and everything else has not kind of caught up. The curve has not actually caught up with the consumers. So, where do you think is the the, the next place globally that uh, has a good potential? Well, I think areas that are within the country, in the countries that are already populated, there's still a lot of areas that, that are still undeveloped. You know, we were down mm-hmm. in Chile recently, uh, down in Puerto Montt, and I think Sauvignon Blanc would grow real well. I had a Lebanese wine not too long ago that was real interesting. I just don't know. With the climate changes going on, it, it's really difficult to uh, for me to project, and I'm not that well-traveled in, in Europe. So um, Right. You know, with the massive landmass of China, I'm sure there's great, great growing areas, that, but I'm just not that familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. I got you. So um, I want to ask you, we only have a couple minutes left here. I want to ask you, if are there any wine events or anything happening? And you know, I know you mentioned about the, uh, you know, um, the marathon and, and stopping by. Bar- Is there anything you want to let everybody know about Concrete or, you know, events coming up that you want to get out there to my global audience? Well, if you come to Napa Valley, we have we have a unique opportunity for you to taste uh, all 15 different AVAs and make your own blend, which is a real neat experience. We we recently got the world's most innovative wine tourism award from the uh, Global Networks. It's a it's a very exciting, uh, true to the art of winemaking opportunity. You know, I mean, uh, for me, in 1982, I went to Burgundy and I tasted in a cave. Uh, uh, Pomard next to a Gevrier Chambretin next to a uh, Volnay, and it was just one of those aha moments. And I, I think that's the kind of epiphany that we're hoping to uh, repeat here by by having that opportunity to taste wines from all these different little sub-appellations within Napa Valley and to compose your own blend and and uh, be proud of what, uh, what you made that day. So you actually get to take a full bottle home with you and and share it and tell them everybody what a great winemaker you are. Excellent. I, with that, I want to I want to thank you because we that's it, only I have a couple minutes left here. So I want to thank you, Mike, for for being with us tonight and giving all your insights about Concrete yourself, the winemaking process. Um, I definitely would look to have you on again uh, in the near future, and I really appreciate everything. Um, so um, go to www.concrete.com, check it out. Uh, if you're going to plan a trip to Napa, you definitely want to get out there and go there. Mike, thanks so much. I really, really appreciate it. 
My pleasure, Stu. Thank you. Have a great evening. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was Mike McGrath of Concrete Vineyards. Again, www.concrete.com. Check that out. Uh, some show notes. My guest spot on the Emmy Award-winning PBS show, Check Please South Florida, aired February 21st and will be rebroadcast tonight at 7.30 p.m. and then Saturday at 7.30 p.m. So check that out. Get the DVR out and, uh, and you know, tape that puppy. After that, you can catch me. Uh, if you don't make those here locally in Florida, you can check it out on the Check Please Florida dot com website. So by next week, you can check out um, the show. Uh, the world can check out that show at checkpleaseflorida.com. I also shot a guest spot on, let's see, on the hit NBC, CNBC World Show Wine Portfolio with host Jody Ness. Uh, the show was in uh, Miami. I took them around to the wine food scene. And during my taping of my episode, I showed them around Miami and took them to the best places for both food and wine. We discussed the radio show in the wine industry. Taping was in November, and the show should air in March. So check your local listings for that. For all you want to know the events, as I mentioned, the uh, South Beach Wine and Food Festival coming up this weekend. Check me out there. I'll be there with uh, Michelle Bernstein, Bobby Flay, Rachel Ray, all the who's who, Adrian Calvo, uh, and then Emerald and, and Martha Stewart. Of course, uh, I'll be covering all the action. Come say hi. March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on the Boca Bacanal event. They have great wine dinners, a wine auction, and a grand tasting you do not want to miss. Uh, well, that's the show for tonight. I want to thank everyone who listened in, who emailed, and um, I especially want to thank Mike McGrath of Concrete Vineyards. If you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at stewthewineguru.com. Uh, you can also go to my website, www.stewthewineguru.com, and click on the link for all my wine article videos and listen to archived wine talk shows by clicking on the picture of the guest. As I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up, and good night.